podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Thursday where people are still dealing with the fallout of Tuesday night's media dump where stories came out that Liverpool were no longer pursuing a transfer for Jude Bellingham. As predicted yesterday, there's still meltdowns going on across the board with people trying to level blame at everybody. And of course, there is going to be blame to be levelled if the case is that Liverpool have pulled out of a move for Bellingham. But as I said yesterday, I do think it could actually, in the end, prove to be a smarter move. You know, if Jude is going to cost that $130 I mean, you'd get Caicedo and Ugarte for that money and be much better off than you would with just Jude. So not getting Jude shouldn't be witnessed as the end of the world as we know it, it's probably the smarter thing to do. In fact, it's definitely the smarter thing to do. But I do understand why people are upset. I understand that people are upset that this season was written off. And I said yesterday it was unacceptable that this season was written off. I understand that people have gotten their hopes up on Bellingham because of the reporting and the rumours around the deal. And like I said yesterday, it may well be that that deal still happens. This, I believe, is probably just a negotiating ploy by Liverpool. But today, then, you have a story in The Athletic about Liverpool's finances. Now, I'll leave it to Mo Chatra to get into the weeds on Liverpool's finances, but this idea that we can't afford to spend without Champions League just doesn't really hold water because we didn't spend with Champions League. Champions League hasn't made a huge difference to us in terms of what we spend. It's never been the case that Liverpool have properly backed Jürgen. Now, there's reason for that from Jürgen's side as well in that he has chosen to hang on to certain players that could have been moved on and replaced. But, you know, we go back to his first season at the club, first full season, 16-17. Liverpool's net spend across the year was a profit of £10.6 In the summer, they made a profit of £5 million. And then in January, a profit of 5.7 million. So that was the start of it. In 17, 18, then, they make a profit of 
So they spend about $28.9 million. Now, that includes Virgil going out, or sorry, Virgil coming in and, and Coutinho going out, 168 in spend on Salah, Solanke, Robertson, Ox, and Van Dijk, and 140 coming in for Wisdom, Leva, <clears throat> Stewart, Sacco, Coutinho, and Cameron Brannigan. When you factor in loan fees received that season for Origi and Kent and Sturridge, you're looking at a net spend of 20 million all told on that year. The following year is the one year Liverpool did spend money. 123 million net spent. Alisson arrived, Fabinho arrived, Nabi Keita arrived, and Jordan Shakiri arrived. The only real sales were Danny Ward, Ragnar Klavan, and Dominic Solanke. So that's the one year Liverpool spent. They spent 123 million. They won the Champions League at the end of that season and then had a net profit of 29 million. After that, the following season, 2021, as reigning league champions, the net spend is 30 million. Minimal, having won Champions League and league title back-to-back. Liverpool, over those two years, basically break about even. In fact, they do end up in the profit because in the summer of 19, it's a net profit of 36 million. And in the summer of 20, or and the January it's a spend of 30 million. So you're 6 million up across those two years. So you win Champions League and Premier League and you come out with a profit of 6 million on your your player trading. Last season, the total spend is 26 million. That includes bringing in Luis Diaz in the January. They'd made a profit in the summer. So again, They had that nightmare season with all the injuries. They bought one player, Ibu Kanate, made a profit on the summer and then spent in the January. And then we almost win the quadruple. And then this this season, it's a 55 million net spend, largely because of the move in January to bring in Cody Gakpo. It was an 18 million pound spend in the summer. Like, it hasn't mattered to Liverpool having Champions League football. Just hasn't. You win the two biggest honours going and somehow make a profit over those two years on player trading. And it's not like you sold anybody for major money. It's not like you sold a major player in that time. So to come out and say that not having Champions League is the reason Liverpool can't spend to the extent of what was seemingly promised just doesn't hold water because you haven't spent regardless. West Ham spent significantly more than us last summer off the back of a decent run of the Europa League. You go up and down the league and 
teams in the bottom half are spending more than us. Newly promoted teams are spending more than us. Is it always smart for them to spend like that? No. Does it work? No. But money in the hands of people who are merely competent at their job is very different to money in the hands of people who are very good at their jobs. And the one summer that Liverpool had real money to spend, the summer of 2018, look at the results and look what followed. Now, unfortunately, Michael Edwards is gone, Ian Graham is going, and that's huge blows to Liverpool. But Will Will Spearman is still there, Barry Hunter is still there, Dave Fallows is still there. A lot of the key decision makers are still at the club, still working day to day. Now, Ian Graham will work till the end of the season, but whether he's involved in recruitment or not, I don't know. But all of those people are still there that worked underneath him and underneath Edwards. Same thing goes with Julian Ward. He's still there till the end of the season. You would imagine he's still involved somehow. So even without Edwards, even if Graham has taken a step back, there should still be enough good people there to spend money well. So it doesn't need to be a case where we go and we waste money. Money in their hands is far better than money in the hands of whoever it is that does the recruitment for Forrest or West Ham or Everton or whoever. But I'm not accepting that just because we don't get Champions League football. We should spend, you know, so much less that our our budget sinks. Especially when you consider that if we do get Europa League and let's say we go deep in that competition, that can be 30 to 40 million in itself for that run. You've got an improved deal with Standard Chartered. That's an extra 10 million a year. Expedia's deal has gone up. That's an extra 5 million. The new Anfield Road will be open. There's an extra 10 million or so a year that's, that, that that stand is meant to bring in. So all of a sudden, you know, between the stand, Standard Chartered, Expedia, that's 25 million. The Europa League could be 30, 35. That's 55 to 60 million. So it's not a 100 million hit by not making the Champions League. It just isn't. There's also no guarantees you get out of the group stage of the Champions League. Now, we generally do, but there's no guarantee of it. You get a bad draw all of a sudden. Things can become very difficult. We shouldn't accept that this is the narrative that will be pushed. We need to push back on that. On This is Anfield, the lead article is Liverpool have questions to, t- to answer after predictable transfer U-turn. It's obviously around the Jude deal. There is a piece about Trent's role that he played against Arsenal, which a lot of people got excited about, even though it was fairly similar to the role he's played a number of times this season. Uh, 14 midfielders linked with Liverpool so far. So Joanna Durkin has put together a list here. Mason Mount is the first player mentioned. Matthias Nunes is the second player. 
mentioned. Connor Gallagher is the third player. Now, she's given these ratings. Um, Mount, she's given an 8 out of 10 for suitability and a 9 out of 10 for likelihood, which I think is far too high uh, for for like uh, likelihood. I think suitability, I think he is about an 8 out of 10. Uh, Matthias Nunes, 7 out of 10 for suitability. I think that's a little bit low. I think he would fit really well. 6 out of 10 on the likelihood. Now, the most reliable link she's marked down is Paul Joyce. The most reliable link on this deal has been John Percy. Not Paul Joyce, it's been John Percy. Uh, Connor Gallagher, she's marked the independent and the echo. Well, the echo, firstly, is not reliable. Football London is who's pushed this, and that's clearly come from the Chelsea side, but she's given it a 7 out of 10 for suitability. I'd say it's no more than a 4 out of 10. Likelihood of move, 7. Again, absolutely no way. Conor Gallagher is not good defensively, not particularly good on the ball. He's an energetic player who can get in the box, but doesn't really offer a whole lot else. And if he's not scoring goals, he tends to drift through games. Uh, Alexis McAllister, linked by James Pierce, Suitability 8, I think that's spot on. I think if you could rotate him and Thiago, that would be excellent. Likelihood 6. Moises Caicedo. Suitability 8. Moises Caicedo is a 10 in terms of suitability. An absolute 10. Likelihood she's given it a 4. Joe Polina, suitability 6. I think that's low. Likelihood 5. Ryan Gravenberch, suitability seven. Do we watch Ryan Gravenberch? Likelihood six. Nicola Barella, suitability eight. That's fair. Likelihood four. Gabri Viega, six out of ten on suitability. Four out of ten on likelihood. I think that's fair. Luka Sukic, suitability six. That's about right. Likelihood five. He's also just suffered an injury, so maybe that... Puts his suitability up. Uh, Declan Rice, <clears throat> suitability eight. I'd love, I'd love an explanation on that. He doesn't play well in a three. I don't care what he does for England. He doesn't play well in a three. He's not a six. Declan Rice, the box-to-box midfielder, whose best attribute is his ball carrying. You play him as a six in the Premier League in a three, and he'll get destroyed. He's been dreadful this season. There's a myth about him being a leader as well, which just isn't true. Ask any West Ham fan, they'll tell you they're crying out for Mark Noble because there's no leadership in the team. Likelihood of a move, three. Hopefully. Uh, Jesper Lindstrom, I wouldn't really class him fully as a midfielder. Uh, Suitability, seven. Again, I, I don't agree. Doesn't really fit in how we play. Likelihood five. Alex Scott. Suitability six. Likelihood five. I think those should both be higher. Uh, Manu Kone. Suitability eight. Agreed. Likelihood five. He is the player we've looked at for a number of years. So I think that might be a little bit low. But some of them are just are strange. Uh, device of Liverpool target 
is like for like Jude Bellingham alternative stats claim. So Jack Losby's put a piece together here claiming that Conor Gallagher is like for like with Jude Bellingham and he's put forward his FB ref to to show, which, you know, you look at it and, well, his non-penalty goals are lower. Non-penalty XG is about the same. Shots total about the same. Assists much lower. Expected assists about the same. Non-penalty XG and non-penalty expected assists about the same. Shot creating actions lower. Passes attempted lower. Pass completion lower. Progressive passes much lower. Progressive carries significantly lower. Successful take-ons lower. Touches in the opposition box about the same. Progressive passes received Gallagher slightly better there. Tackles lower. Interceptions much lower. Blocks slightly higher. Clearances about the same. And aerials about the same. And the issue here is that little plus, that little per 90 toggle that's turned on is where the issue lies. Because this season, Jude Bellingham has played 3,100 minutes. Connor Gallagher has played 1,400 minutes. So Connor Gallagher is benefiting from small sample size. In the same way that you can look at James Milner's stats and think, well, look how impressive it is. Or 90. Because when you play 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there, and have a decent sub-appearance, and that gets extrapolated out across per 90, then all of a sudden you look like you've had a great season. But Conor Gallagher has not had a good season. In fact, he has been shown as lacking to play for Chelsea, let alone us. Chelsea are dreadful this season. He has made one start in the Champions League. Eight, nine in the league. And in those games... Chelsea lost to Leeds, beat West Ham, beat Wolves, lost to Brighton heavily, lost to Newcastle, beat Crystal Palace, drew with us, drew with Fulham, and uh, lost to Wolves. He did play the 90 in the FA Cup when they got walloped by City, and he didn't start in the EFL Cup game. So, you know, he's a bit part player. Benefiting from small sample size, Bellingham plays pretty much every minute of every game. You can't compare them statistically when you want to use per 90 numbers. It's just foolish. It's just really, really foolish. Liverpool journalist claims Aurelian Chouameni interest could be resurrected. Now this, this folks would get me very, very excited. Dave Maddock, unfortunately it's Dave Maddock, but Dave Maddock has said Liverpool could potentially kick the tyres on Chiumeni again. And let's be fair, he is the perfect number six to bring in. Can also play as a box-to-box midfield. 
And as I said yesterday, if you could get him for, let's say, 60 plus add-ons, and let's say the add-ons are an extra 10 or 15 million, and make the same offer to Brighton for Caicedo, you can get the two of them in. That's better than just getting Jude or getting Jude and Conor Gallagher, let's say. Because it'd be similar money, 160, 170 million plus add-ons. Well, you'd be much better off with Chumeni and Caicedo, both of whom have the potential to become world-class. And then you could just buy maybe an Alex Scott or somebody cheaper to be that third midfielder that you bring in. And you just try and patch it together. Those two are young, they're powerful, they're fairly resilient. Neither of them have had huge injury issues. Caicedo doesn't really have any problems that way. Chumeni's had a couple of niggles this season, but that's about it. You get the two of them in with Thiago, who you can now manage. Fabinho can play some games. Henderson will play some games. Jones can play some games. Elliot can play some games. They're not ideal, but you see your way through the season. This is going to be a two-year rebuild regardless, so you might as well just try and box off the best of what you can get now. If you just get those two, if you could just get those two, and even even if it was Evan and Dicker in defence, to get two potentially world-class players in one summer would make it worthwhile. And it wouldn't need to be a huge net spend because Kelleher can go, you can replace him on a free or very cheap. You can fill the right-back spot with a free, Ola Aina, job done. Gomez could go and you could keep Matip or vice versa. I'd sell Gomez personally. 25 million there. Costas could go. And Indica could, in theory, replace both of them if he just wanted to ride with it for a year. Virgil will play the majority of games anyway. So if you've just got Ibu and Joel as the other option, you're fine. Maybe you sell Fabio Carvalho. Maybe you do. Maybe you decide it just it, it doesn't work. But I wouldn't want to sell him. I'd like to loan him and see what he can do when he goes and plays somewhere. But, you know, if you sold Costas, Gomez, Kelleher, Nat Phillips, you're probably looking at bringing in 55 to 60 million. So if you signed Chuameni, Caicedo, Endica, and Olaena, two and a free, Bosman, two for 80 million plus add-ons, less those sales, you're working out at about a hundred million of a net spend. There's no no reason that we couldn't do that. None at all. Even without Champions League. There's no excuse. Let's go to Liverpool.com. Why Liverpool's Anfield State Stadium is missing from the Euro twenty twenty eight shortlist. Well the real reason is that they've picked Everton's photographs of a stadium and they're going to use it. So they're not going to pick two stadiums in a city and, you know, Everton Stadium will be newer and shinier and fancier or whatever else. So there's no reason reason to think too deeply about it. Um, Jurgen Klopp resurrects Liverpool transfer plan after Jude Bellingham blow amid new priority. This is the Media Digest. Liverpool sets new top priority. Uh, Mason Mount 
named here. Klopp returns to old plan. Uh, this is about Chirmeni, and that's all there actually is in the Media Digest today. Um, there's a piece about Barella. Liverpool can sign ideal Jude Bellingham alternative for $55 million. No, they can't. Um, no, they can't. They just, they can't. That's just something that's been made up by people in the English media. If you speak to anybody in the Italian media, especially anyone who's linked into Inter, there's zero chance that that fee is even going to get Inter to answer the phone. You're talking 80 to 90 million, apparently. So he's he's worth it. He's worth that kind of money. But if you can get Caicedo and or Chiumeni for similar fees, that's what you do instead. Um, We'll just do AnfieldIndex.com then and we'll finish up for the day because otherwise we'll just get into the weeds too much. Uh, How the Trent positional shift can tell a tactical story. He's written by Stephen Smith and John W. Henry all out of apologies at Liverpool FC. So that is a piece with Mo Chatra. So give that a read when you have a chance. Uh, Podcast-wise, like I mentioned yesterday, there is the new Under Pressure. We've got a couple of scouteds being recorded today, and there'll be a bunch more to come this week. So that's everything I've got for today, folks. Thanks as always, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.